Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today in the show, we talk about um, the way that attachment has changed our perspectives um, in a different way than what we did last week. So last week, we, we began that conversation about how our knowledge of attachment styles of the attachment cycle has changed the way that we parent. Um, this week, we really continued it into um, relationships, but uh, I will say even more so into um, cultural and societal norms. We talked about um, stereotypical male norms of communication and of relationship, and, um, and is that something that uh, changes as we learn more about the attachment cycle and attachment styles? And uh, shocker, yes, it, it 100% changes, and so we talk a lot about uh, that in particular. We also talked about the way that this knowledge impacts just all of our relationships um, and how we engage um, on a relational level with everyone. And so uh, I will say this is a really unique perspective on um, attachment and the attachment cycle um, that that uh, I have not heard in conversation yet. And so I think it'll be a huge benefit to you uh, to tune in today and listen, or at least we hope it will be. So without any further ado, here are uh, Mo Ottinger, Tana Ottinger, Becca McKay, and myself. Well, as we talked about in the introduction, we're here uh, with Tana and Mo Ottinger with Becca McKay and myself. And we just wanted to keep this conversation going from uh, last week. So I'll just say a disclaimer as you start off. Um, you will hear us reference kind of our conversation that we had on our last episode or um, conversations we've had with Dr. Casey Call, Dr. Jamie DeLuna on, on further episodes back. Um, look at our episode from last week, uh, in the show notes to find links to all that. Um, but also it'd be helpful to listen to that as a precursor for the conversation this week. So I'll just give that disclaimer to start off. But, um, we, we, we got off the conversation last week talking about attachment style and, um, and how that's impacted us as parents. And we thought, uh, man, this is really a conversation we could have kept going with for a long time. And so we wanted to, to both extend this conversation and take it to some different places that we didn't get to go uh, last week. And so, Becca, why don't I start off with you? One of the things that we talked about kind of off air before was uh, this idea of, of knowing your attachment style and seeing how it plays out, uh, not just in kids, not just in parents, but really in the middle stages in that like becoming an adult kind of forming independence walking into independence um stage of life and so um i don't know if you had any thoughts on that specifically just as you are i mean you're still a young adult right and um and you're kind of in this world i think we've got some loose definitions if we're It's a wide range, I guess. Um, yeah, young, young in spirit for sure. Um, so. However, you want to. No, I think it's easy to get when you're thinking about attachment. I think because it does form with your primary caregiver, it's easy to think of it, about it in those terms. But I think if you think about adulthood, I'm not a parent yet, and I still have found attachment styles to be super helpful in the way that I've navigated all kinds of relationships. And I think looking back at even like my college years, I really see, I talked about last episode, my like little preoccupied entangledness, and I can kind of see how that showed up in my college relationships as I was kind of trying to like be independent, break out into the world. I talked about how I'm a twin. And so I was having to do a lot of things by myself for the very first time. Um, And then I think 
you know, thinking about just people that are young adults, like it's a lot to manage. Like your whole life, you have kind of this cocoon (laughs) and then you're independent, but you still really need your parents in a lot of ways. You still need adults and mentors in a lot of ways. And you kind of are trying to walk that out in in those early college days. And so um, just thinking through attachment styles, I think can be helpful because a lot of it helps me understand how I process emotions um, and helps me understand how other people process emotions. And that's just helpful. Like in relationships, it's good to know how people tend to process emotions so that we don't get overly hurt by each other or frustrated whenever we're not seeing eye to eye. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the big stages of that becoming an adult space is often living with other people for the first time. So whether it's going and living with a college roommate or jumping out into an apartment with a friend, um, you're all of a sudden not with your primary caregivers for the first time. And knowledge of attachment styles could save you so much um, heartbreak and frustration in the beginning, if you kind of have a framework for how to understand that, it could it could guide how you um, how you have conversations uh, or how you navigate conflict with those that are that are living with you. And Donna, you guys obviously y'all have um, young adults that you are parenting now, and so I think there's probably another even different layer of of thought process that you have in this conversation, right? Yeah, when I think young adult, it's funny because two things come to mind. One is. And, and and this would make sense, right? It's always like, what is what is my relationship with my young adults? Like, and how is my personality and attachment style? And I won't go into it, but um, for those of y'all that have maybe heard here and there, I am a huge Enneagram advocate and fan. So like, how is my Enneagram type coming into this relationship? But But thinking about attachment, like launching young adults into their own independence. Like I'm thinking about myself in that equation. How is this impacting me? How am I coming into play? What do I need to be mindful of? And then thinking about that because we have attachment styles that are fluid, like we talked about that last time a little bit, right? Like we can move into a more earned, secure place over time. You're also thinking about like, how do you continue to mentor your young adults towards yeah. earn secure attachment if they aren't secure, you know, as, as their primary attachment style and like honoring this, the developmental stage of like it going towards independence. So it's this interesting clash of things happening because um, they are moving towards independence, figuring out how to be their own person, how to make their own decisions. Like, so they're in some regard pulling away from their primary attachment figures, which is the right thing to do. So how do you continue to foster healthy interdependence and relationship with young adults that are becoming independent while keeping their attachment style in mind? I mean, it's a lot of thinking. I think that's what, I think that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) You just got to be mindful and sort of conscientious about all that's going on there. So um, Mo might have something to say about that. Well, I, I just laugh because, you know, we we ended up with a conversation recently kind of with our young adults and we're kind of sharing all this, you know, great knowledge. And um, let's just say um, mm-hmm. uh, they would not classify it as great knowledge. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 uh. <laughs> 
Um, I specifically think about one. Um, we were having a conversation. <laughs> we were, it's you know, turning fall right now. If you're listening to this later, it's sort of fall time. And uh, it's fall, it was fall break. And, you know, all the kids were home and the, you know, the older ones were all gathered up and we pull out the s'mores and have a bonfire going and we've cleaned the back porch and we're like ready to host the family and pull out the s'mores, kick up at the bonfire. And it was a playful conversation. Some people kind of scattered and there was just one or two kids sitting around and some things came up and, you know, we thought we would like mentor the moment. <laughs> they were so over it, y'all. They were like, are you kidding? Can we please? Yeah. No. Yeah. For the love yeah. of all things holy, just make some s'mores, mom and dad. Right, right, and I'm right, like, right, right, right. If you take this opportunity to think through, because it was about, it's this, these interesting, like peer young adult relationships that they're navigating. Yeah. And I'm wanting like every interaction to be this like lifelong teachable moment. Right. <laughs> right. Where they like take stock of where that went wrong. They think about where it went right. And I literally, to my young adult, was like, I mean, hun, this is like an invitation to like take this moment with you and like absorb what was going on in this interpersonal dynamics. <laughs> literally, we're like, can we? He's not right now. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I think, I, I mean, Mo and I laughed, but we're like, you know what? Just people want to do this in their own time. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it was a good reminder for me as a parent to like, just be patient with myself and mm-hmm. Mo and our children and our young adult children. Like not everybody wants s'mores to, you know, become a therapeutic intervention. <laughs> so, well, and I think, yeah, and and at the end of the day, like if if I talk about this, like years ago when I took my first adult attachment interview and got the results, you know, I, I was dismissive. You know, like that was like the hardest test I've ever taken. Like I could, I could, and for those of you that have never taken the test, it's not that. And like it's, hey, give us five adjectives to describe. You know, and I mean, it's not like rocket science and but it was really hard for me because i was so dismissive um man i've had to do the work and like i took it recently and 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 i'm at earn secure right so i'm like you know i thought hey i've arrived right like everything's gonna flow easy and all that sort of stuff and i was talking with um dr cross was in town recently and i was like dr cross like man i just thought after i earned secure like all my relationships were just going to flow and I was going to be <laughs> fully present. And uh, I said, I think it's harder. Like, you know, and I was dismissive. I just dismissed myself and everybody else. Now right. it's like, I'm more aware. And that's what he was like. Yeah, man. It like, now you're more aware of all the things and your children and yourself. And so, you know, I, th- I think first, as I talk about the, uh, you know, the adult attachment interview. Like, I, I don't want everybody out there to say, oh, I've got to go, like, yeah, how do I do right. that? Well, like, yeah. you know, because um, for the longest time, I thought this topic, even when we taught it in a class, I was like, oh, man, this is kind of a throwaway. Like, you know, and it has really been revolutionary for me. But I don't want you to feel like, oh, I'll never, I can't do that interview, so I'll never know, right? right. And right. so I just think, we probably have a pretty good idea or those close to us can probably like, 
I know last week y'all even ended like, hey, have have a community of people that that yeah. you can live this out with. And and like, let's just be honest, there are those close to you that can probably nail it. Like right. and and I think once you become aware and you begin to kind of do this this work, um, you begin to learn that I'm 51 and it's not over. Like yeah. it's, it's a continual yeah. process. And so, um, I told somebody last night, I was having dinner with, I was like, you know, I just, I just want my young adult kids to, to, you know, uh, be where I am as a 51 year old. And I'm like, man, that's just not where it's at. Right. Like they, yeah. they've got to walk this out and I'm walking it out. And, and I hope, like, I think what was so encouraging hearing Dr. Cross, you know, talk about where he is and his relationship with his wife and how, how this attachment is um, like what he's learning. And I like, I was like, Oh my word. Like this is a process that I want to be fully present and, and to be my best for those that are closest to me. And I want to ask, you know, I, I, I'll just refer to last week. Y'all talked about asking for forgiveness. Good grief. Do we do that a lot in our home? Yeah. Like yeah. to be aware of all the things and, um, yeah, it's just a process. So I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm just saying, um, you know, our young adult kiddos, uh, we'll get there when they get there and we will get there when we get there. You know, we're trying probably a little more intentional right now than they are, but you know, <laughs> well, and, and you know, I think the thing that I think about when you're saying this, Mo, is like the really, really unfortunate thing here is that no one can do this work for you. Like you can't have a spouse drag you along. You can't have somebody else like they sit might, down. They with- might try. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why when you said that and leaned towards the camera. I don't know. I hey, said I, I thought said, it was that moment, Mark. Hey, I, I don't know why. I don't know why your head went down. You're like, oh, <laughs> man, oh man, that's um, the truth. Well, just, um, even just thinking about like the so. I, I I hate swimming with my whole heart, and I've, this past year I've, I've like tried to make a point to like become a more proficient swimmer, and that's a longer story. But like. I, I had lots of friends who were, who were great swimmers who were giving me advice for it. And still, I have to get in this stinking pool by myself and just do it and flail around for a minute. And it, it's just hard and, and it's not easy. But I'm like a year and some change in. And this morning was like I was reflecting on the fact that like there's somebody flailing around next to me who clearly they, they're earlier on in their journey. And I felt so, I didn't say anything, but I wanted to be like, keep going, buddy, you got it. <laughs> But you just have to do it. Like there's no, so I think the the encouragement that I would give even in the the beginning of this this conversation is that it is going to be frustrating and clunky and messy and all the different adjectives that, that describe an early foray into something that you don't know how to do on your own, but there's no substitution. Now, can you, can you read a lot and can you talk with friends who have been there before and can that help? Of course it can. Like I, I was you know, in the pool, there were some things I knew to try or, or drills or, or whatever that I knew to, to do that would help me because I had friends who had been there who were giving those things to me ahead of time, but I still had to be the one to get in the pool and, and do it. So I think same, same in this conversation, definitely Google and read as much as you can and listen to podcasts and talk with friends who have been there before. But you're going to be the one who has to actually have those conversations with yourself and with your, with your loved ones and explore kind of where your, your history has, has taken you. 
Well, and I'll just say, and, and kudos to um, you guys on just the just the the graphic just the graphics that y'all put on social media, just the different attachment styles recently. Yeah. I just think it it easily uh, just kind of gives you a clear visual of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the anim, you know, the animation that's that's out now on YouTube, like. Uh, I mean, good grief, in seven minutes, eight minutes, I think it just really lays it out. And so I think, again, if you're coming to this, like, man, I just, I want to figure this out. Because, you know, here's, here's, again, we go back to why is this important? It's about connecting. It's, it's about connecting with those we love the deepest and, and that are the closest to us. And so what we're, what we're saying is we're inviting you into an opportunity to do the work so that you can show up for those you want to show up for. And um, it, 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 that just doesn't happen um, by happenstance. Yeah. And um, I, I just think it's, it's a beautiful invitation. And I think you guys have created some, really um uh, digestible would be a way like yeah. you don't have to go out and read a 300 page book there's some things right. that you can do to understand to help you begin this process yeah. and and then you start the process and it is it's clunky it's awkward um but man that's humanity and the the, the sweetness of it and yeah. um you know i what i will say when i when i when I tell you that I've gone from this dismissive to earn secure, like, man, I was not present for my, for my kiddos in those dismiss, like, man, like, and I think we've shared the stories, like just, um, I think y'all talked about last week, bids for connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I listened to Brene Brown's, uh, podcast, pod, her new series and it's, you know, um, and, and it's about marriage, but I think that, those that were on it, um, the guests that were on it, they talk about turning towards, like, what are the bids for to be turning toward? And, and, and it's, it's bids for connection, yeah. right? And that's, that's what it comes down to. And so like what bids, what opportunities I missed. Um, and it's not missing opportunities. Whereas a child comes into the room and says, Hey dad, like, can we go to the movies? Like it, it's just the, it's the nuance of a kid falling and skinning their knee mm-hmm. or the kid asking for uh, a refill of drink or, a, you know, it's just the everydayness of helping a child get into the car or, you know, on and on just these opportunities that when you, when you cannot be fully present with them because of your attachment style um, you just miss out. You, 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 just, you just you just miss out on so much of life and so much of your family. And so, um, if I can just do one stressor, mm. you got to do the work. Mm-hmm. You got to do the work, and it's never too late to do the work. I think I was encouraged hearing Dr. Cross even say, "Man, I'm still doing the work." Right. And it's never, and that was super encouraging for me. Like. You know, for those of you that know me, I got teared up with him when he said that, when he talked about doing the work so that he can, you know, he's retiring, right? He's retiring (laughs) this year. And here's a guy stepping into retirement and he's talking about 
um, wanting to connect deeper with his wife and his grown children and, and the work that he's doing. And that, that was super encouraging to me. You know, JD, I think you said, Oh, go ahead, Becca. I'm thinking about, uh, one of the, one of the ideas that we say a lot in our parenting course is this idea of before, during, and after. And so doing the work is like before, you know, interacting with the people that you love really like use Google, read authors like Gordon Newfeld or like Dan Siegel or Tina Payne Bryson or Brene Brown, like really get to know yourself first. And then the during is what JD said, like, then you got to jump in the pool and you got to try some things that feel awkward. You got to try to like respond differently. And it's not going to go great every time. Like you're going to be, if you're tending towards dismissive, you're going to say like, Oh buddy, how did you feel? And it's going to sound like you're being sarcastic because you're not used to engaging with them in that way, or you're going to be so wrapped up in the moment. And so you being a little bit more uh, structured is going to feel cold. And so you're just, you're going to awkwardly flail for a minute. And then after you're going to reflect on that and you're going to reflect on how, you know, what happened in that interaction? How did I show up? And we can't control the other person, but we can control how we show up. And so how do I, how did I show up? What attachment patterns were at play? A lot of people had great questions on social media. One was, does this also, you know, matter for adult relationships? Yes. Like it definitely matters. The other was, can you be more than one insecure style? So I think in that reflection process, I talked about it. We swing on a pendulum as humans when we're trying to do something differently. Um, I can think back to when I moved into college, I had a unique experience of we lived overseas. My dad lived on campus in campus housing, like missionary housing for my first semester. And I did everything I could to not interact with him. Man, I wish I would have done that differently now. But at the time I was like, I'm supposed to be independent. I'm supposed to be on my own. So he was you know, 50 yards from me. And I, he taught me how to drive. So like we spent time together. I love my dad. Even then it wasn't that I felt like ill feelings, but it was like, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be independent now. I'm not supposed to need you. This summer was rough for my husband and I, like a lot of things happened that were really out of our control and tough. And like, I needed to call my dad as like an adult person and be like, dad, I'm sad right now. So I just think like, it just does ebb and flow over time. And you do learn through just jumping in the pool, (laughs) flailing around, swinging on the pendulum and trying to find that middle ground. You know, Becca, I was literally about to talk about that process of like before, during, and after. Um, When Mo was talking, I wrote a note. So like that is exactly where my mind went. And I was thinking about, JD, I really appreciate how you said um, that you have to do the work. But what is so interesting about attachment styles is they're about interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's this funny little dance where like only I can do my reflection work. Mm -hmm. That is a solitary solitude. Like that's an experience that's done in solitude and reflection. I am the only one that can measure and account for and make sense of and draw parallels and a through line to my motivations, my reactions, my fears, my insecurities. Like I'm the only one that knows that. The people in my life, Lord bless all of them and all of y'all, because we're all doing a lot of work together in close proximity as colleagues and friends. And obviously Mo and I in parenting and partnership, like 
we we bear witness to one another. Like yeah. we do actually have like a sideline perspective. So we have work we have to do on our own. But by golly, that during moment is messy, is like this messy middle moment where we really mm-hmm. are, Becca, like just trying on something new. Mm-hmm. And what came to my mind is this like permission to let the people in your life change. Mm-hmm. Let the people in your life grow and encourage them to do so as you hope they are uh, allowing you to grow. Like, mm. I hope that Mo and I could, I mean, if we were to spend the next little while thinking back to like who we were when we first started parenting 21 years ago and who we were a decade ago and five years ago and even what this last year the growth and change that it's brought out in us. And I hope we would say the same 10 years from now. Like this really is about just thoughtful, personal self-reflection and growth done inside of relationship. Yep. Right. That's the daring thing. Dang it. And that's where we have to apologize all the time because y'all, that's the messy part. Yeah. It's so good. And and the thoughtful reflective does not come naturally for me. Like it is it is a muscle that I've had to mm-hmm. really um try to develop and and flex. And like there have been moments there have been moments she'll ask, like, well, in that moment, like you know, and she'll ask a question like, I, I didn't think about that at all. And, <laughs> and like, John, John will be flabbergasted, like, what? Like, you, when that happened, like, that was never a thought process. And like, no, like, I can just go on autopilot, you know? And so I think, um, I mean, I, I don't want to be stereotypical across the board, but I just, I, I'm going to say, I think that's, that can be the norm for a lot of men. Um, right. And just in my years of, of, you know, 20 plus years pastoring and sitting in the office talking to like, so often we can, we can just be on autopilot and we're not processing. We're not thinking we're, um, and, and it can be a, a dangerous place to be. And so I, I'll just say that that has been over the last however many years, I mean, it, I mean, I don't even want to, I don't even want to come across as like I've mastered this or I'm good at it. I, I fumble my way through it. Um, I mean, I would say I've probably been more reflective the last 10 weeks than good chunks of my life. And so, um, um, it's just a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good place to be, but yeah, I, I do, you know, Becca, when you were talking about, I mean, even Tana, this during phase of like how it's clunky and you're trying things and you'll say, like, I remember when I began to make shifts and I would say things to <laughs> to my kids and like, someone like, what, what the heck? <laughs> Who are you? Or what I would say, they would say, Man, are you being condescending right now? And I'm like, no, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm really, like, I thought I was taking a step toward, right? Like, I am present with you, and I am, and they're like, 
man, you're, this is coming across as sarcastic. No, I'm being sweet and tender. <laughs> All the thing, like it's clunky. Like I do not want to paint this picture. Um, and their response was, you know, what I just shared was very tame. And, and it, some of them was not so tame. Like this is really like, you're kind of offending me with you trying to do this. So, yeah. um, yeah. I want to think about something Mo just said. And like, I am no like social psychologist at all. Like I, we're just going to like, I need to say that out loud. This is not my degree. This is like me pontificating and wondering about something. But Mo, you said something that we do say a lot, which is this, like you said, you don't want to be stereotypical against men. Like that, that is like maybe a gendered thing. Yeah. But I think it's a societal thing. Like, I think that it's how we raise our, our young men and our boys yeah. And I just would love for us to look up a generation from now as a society and have given our boys an opportunity to be like emotionally reflective. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that it's this genetic thing that guy that men and young boys can't do. Yeah, I think that we we parent them or we give them this like societal space where we, you know, stereotype emotional boys and ways that that's shamed. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Again, I am no social psychologist or scientist. I've done no research studies. I don't know. It's just my curiosity. I wonder what it would be like for us to give our young boys an opportunity to have big feelings and big emotions and explore those in safe ways. I think they would grow up to be emotionally attuned, reflective men yeah well the gift yeah well the gift of that yes and the gift of that is you know in this moment i will say i'm not a young adult right like i'm (laughs) i i am 50 right and so we have we are entering the 50 year old phase of marriage you know ton and i are no longer 26 and newlyweds we're no longer in our 30s no longer we are 50 it is a new season for us and I will say in my years of pastoring and my years of counseling couples that were struggling and you go through these different seasons. I mean, I, I, I would echo telling what you just said of like men get to this place of 40 and 50 and they have not been attuned. They have not been emotionally present. Um, and when you get to be in your fifties and all of a sudden your, your dynamics in your home change, you know, you, you've been in the season of, of raising these kids and now they're young adults and they're launching out. And, um, you know, I've just, I've just, you know, sending a child off this year to school, like you have the, you you begin to like, man, did I do everything for them that I wanted to do? And then I also look at, okay, now I'm, am I doing what I need to do for my, those that I'm with? Are Tana and I in this place? Like, what does the next 10, 20 years, Lord willing, mean for us in marriage? Um, and I, I just, again, I want to, like, I keep going, man, I want to encourage y'all to do the work. Like, we we know we can't force people to do the work. That they've got, what, what I found, though, is that oftentimes for men, when they would show up at my office or they would want to talk is when a crisis had happened. Yeah. Um that that what forces them to slow down, what forces them to reflect is now they're fighting for their marriage. They're fighting for the relationship with their children. 
they've they've lost you know i mean something something that's right something wakes them up isn't that true for all of us it, it, doesn't, is. it doesn't and, take something to sort of wake us up to others and to ourselves and like my we wouldn't be where we are if like we right. need to for like that's the right. well-being right. of our family like something it does i think that that's just human nature i think maybe it like, is well and I, I know i know that i know yeah. that. i mean you know you can learn i mean if we take the college now you can learn in the classroom or you can learn in the lab what I would love to say to yeah. people is learn in the classroom, <laughs> learn in the classroom. But the reality is you're going to have to go into the lab of life and, yep. and there's going to be some, some, some bumpy roads. Um, but my encouragement is just, man, what's on the other side of some of those bumps? Um, if I could, if I could like even, pull back a minute in conversation to connect to what you just said, Mo. Like, Tana, you were wondering about the societal piece, and I hope that in the future our boys can grow up. To, like, I think some of that is starting um, and can start for us now. When you think about, Mo, the fact that, 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 that there would be men at the church who, who knew where to go and knew who to go to in those moments of crisis. Well, I don't know who, well, I guess I, oh, you know what? I can go. To, I can talk to Mo. Mo would be a safe person to talk to about this, and that's that's only known out of a context of relationship. And yes, sure, there were sometimes people who blindly reached out to the pastor on the staff or whatever. But you were known as a safe person. Not word. That's not your obituary. You are known as a safe person to talk to about these things. And so because folks were living in community and saw and got to experience a a safe person, and you probably a lot of times didn't even know that you were exuding that to X, Y, or Z person, they'd reach out and you'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't even know you knew me like that. I think that's one, one gigantic step in us creating those new norms for you know, our, our boys going forward is normalizing, Hey, when you, when you need to talk about something, come and talk to me, like come and and share with me. And I think if we're, if we're tying back into the stereotypes, there's not a greater picture of strength than being able to like hold somebody's most vulnerable moments in confidence and then look them in the eyes and walk with them through that. Like there's just not. And so you think about every stereotypical kind of gladiator type movie and all that. There's a moment of incredible weakness that the main figure shows and there's someone there usually to hold that person in that moment and push them on into the, into battle going forward again, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's something for all of us to keep in mind. Like, again, we don't have to be social psychologists. We don't have to be professionals. We don't have to have been um, through 10 years of grad school to walk our kids and our, you know, friends and our spouses and partners and our, and our, our, our communities through these moments. A lot of times it's just being there and being willing to be there and to not run away when moments get hard. Um, you know, just, there's, there's so much power in just getting back up. Like we, we, um, we mentioned it was fall break and, um, we had the, uh, pleasure 
I guess you'd say, of, of doing sure. one of our doing one of our long return trips at the end of a week where everyone's exhausted with um, f- so many human beings in a car. And we did all the things. We stopped at Bucky's, which is in, like a trip all in itself. Like we, we, you know, like we, we had all the snacks and everything is loaded up. And just by the end of the trip, I mean, y'all know, like you, I, could, I could give you that framework and you know where we were <laughs> about an hour outside of the house. Like everyone's just losing their minds. And so, you know, half the battle is like, did I have a moment where I had to pull over the car and start yelling at people? Yes, I did. And then did I have a moment where I apologized for that later? <laughs> yes, I did. And like that apology came as a piece of repair. And then there was a moment of riding the bike around the block with the kid that later that evening to, to repair some more, or just to like try to try and build some connection again. So like, it's not like all these moments are the perfect, you know, Danny Tanner, rest in peace, full house, like soft music in the background moments. Like, Sometimes those moments happen, but most times it's like we're just going through the flow of life and we just don't give up. And we just stay in it with, with the people that are nearest to us and, and just continuing to show up, continuing to be there. Um, it just matters in a way that, that we can't really see in the moment all the time. Becca, I don't know, as we kind of get ready to close up here, I don't know if you have any, any closing thoughts on the, um, on the side of like next steps for people. Like we've, we mentioned some of those books, mentioned, you know, uh, talking with your people. Any, any other more specific thoughts as we kind of close out this conversation and, and head toward the finish line? Yeah, I think you can hear, do the work, and you can be like, tell me what the work is. Um, and so I think one thing that attachment research says is if we can make sense of past experiences and experience supportive relationships, then those two things can really help us on that journey towards earned security. So I think that's important to remember. So the work is make sense of your past, Um go there. You know, it's, you got to talk about the thing that happened in third grade that you don't want to talk about. Like you've got to think about those really, really messy breakups in high school and like what led to those, like you've got to go there with somebody that you trust. And then I think a lot of us want so badly to be independent, but healthy security is we still need other people. And so I think if you're starting this journey, like find your safe people, not everybody is a safe person. I think we talked about that on the last episode. Not everybody is your safe person. So if you're finding that you're trying to do this work with someone and it's not going well, find someone else (laughs) to do this with, you know what I mean? Like be there, be that person's friend, but find someone else to do this deeper, this deeper work. Cause you've got to have that security, that safety, um, Obviously, we're big advocates for therapy over here at ETC. Um, believe that a great therapist can really help you with both of those tasks, making sense of the past and experiencing that supportive relationship. Um, so find those people. Find your people. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you all so much for joining today. And um, Oh, Tana, you know what? One more thought. One more thought. I do have one more quick little thought. Sorry, J.D. Um, my little closing is... a. a quote that I found a long time ago and I was thinking about it. I think I found it when I was in the throes of like not trying not to despair on this journey of like transformation in the context of relationships and family. And it's an old African proverb. It might be familiar to some of y'all, but it goes like this. If you want to go fast, go alone. Mm -hmm. If you want to go far, go together. And I think I needed that because I um, 
I was tired. And I I do want to say that before we sort of finish this whole conversation on mindfulness and self-reflection and like going to earn secure attachment. Like I I think we said it last episode, it's worth saying again, go easy on yourself and like give yourself a lot of patience and self-compassion. I mean, some of us are trying to make sense of really painful pasts. Mm-hmm. And that cannot be done in one conversation. That might take yeah. years and years and years and years of processing and integrating experiences and reactions and emotions and in, in relationships. And that is okay. That doesn't mean you are any less capable of being able to move towards some really beautiful, flourishing interpersonal relationships. But we can't, I mean, if, if you want to go wherever it is you think you're going in this life fast, feel free to do it by yourself. Yeah. Pursue the things that do not have the messy middle of relationship in them. But there is something really beautiful about the going the distance with people. And that's the going far. So whatever personal dynamics are happening or whatever is going on, inside of you and with other people interpersonally stay the course and it's okay to like tag out a minute and maybe just make some s'mores, you know, or just like take it easy. So go in, in waves. And if you are doing this in close relationship, I really loved what you said, Becca, because um, about like find safe people, but also find multiple people. I mean, mm-hmm. to be really vulnerable, there have been times for Mo and I in our marriage where we have like, one of us has called a timeout and said, I think you may need somebody else to help carry some of this with you. Because like there was a lot going on in the family and we knew we couldn't be everything the other person needed. Mm-hmm. So don't like go far and go together. And that probably means multiple people. Mm-hmm therapist, several close friends. I love how Kurt Thompson talks about like having several people that know all the things there are to know about you. Like that's a sign of health. Several people that know all of it. As a starting point, you can find your safe people. Like who are the people that you need around you that will Mm -hmm. offer you care and protection and a safe place to land and it, it needs to be multiple people. So that's that's my encouragement. So I love that that quote. It might be one that you need to stick up on your mirror right now or stick on your screensaver or stick it on a sticky note on your computer and just be willing to see the beauty and the gift of the relationships in your life that are asking something of you. Like don't run from the relationships that are requiring something of you. Yeah. Pull towards them because they're the ones that are the gift. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Which no. takes humility. Yeah. And I mean, I, we're, we're, we all long for this. We all long for this. Yeah. We all long for deep relationships. And it just takes humility and it takes courage. I mean, to be vulnerable with those because vulnerability is really scary for a lot of us. And so, I mean, just going just echoing what Tana just said. I mean, I think um, we need to step into some, some relationships with great courage and humility and, yeah. and be kind to ourselves. 
Yeah. Awesome. Guys, thank you. Thank y'all. As always, I appreciate y'all. Well, thank you for uh, staying, sticking with us today and for, for staying in through this episode. Um, I would say, man, this is just something that, that really uh, fired me up as we recorded and as we talked was that piece about um, raising boys. And so uh, for all of us who are raising boys, all of us who have a voice in um, a young male person's life, um, th- this was something that for me, at least, was uh, really inspiring and just a great reminder um, to be teaching our boys how to feel their feelings fully, how to be fully in step emotionally um, and, and be present in that um, and how to process. And so um, that stuff does uh, bear huge dividends, not just within that person, but also within the entire community with which that person resides. So uh, without, any, without anything else to say uh, for everybody here at ETC, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast. 